Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I'm Mariah Rose. And we are a podcast that discusses the 80s. Yep. And this week, we are going to be talking about a pretty crazy 80s movie. Wait, Neggy. Oh. This is a Wagos episode, for sure. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> You're starting too soon. We got to get people in on the joke. Nope. You snooze, you lose. Okay. Uh, we are talking about America 3000. Yep, it's your future, people. Pay attention. And it's got a futuristic lingo to go along with it. Is it futuristic? Yeah. Okay. It's plastic, for sure. Oh, no. <laughs> Maggie. Okay. Well, before we start on this week's episode, uh, we are not going thrift-storing, because we're all quarantined. But uh, maybe talk about, I decided I could talk about new things that we've gathered or um, acquired. Because we have reverted to hunter-gatherer society? <laughs> yeah, yes. basically. What have you acquired? Uh, well, I got on the internet and I pulled out a virtual spear and I threw it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I'm really excited. This, I've been waiting for this for a while and it finally came in yesterday. I, as you know... Um, my favorite horror movie of all time is 1986 Trick or Treat. There's a plug. Go back and listen to that uh, if you want to listen to our Halloween episode. Oh, yeah. But I also collect a odds and ends that revolve around that film. And yesterday I got a big one, which was the 1988 West German release of the movie. It's got this really awesome cover. Mm -hmm. It was also in Germany known as Ragman, not as Trick oh. or Treat. Why? Uh, because it... Uh, revolves around Ragman, the central figure. Is maybe Halloween figure. not so big over hmm? there? Halloween's not like a thing in Europe, really, is it? I don't know. I have no clue if that's true. Um, fact. Let's go with it. <laughs> okay, well. I mean, I know it like kind of started there, but I don't think they do it the same way we do here. I don't know. I guess I've never even thought about that. Yeah, so they were probably like, what is trick or treat? Let's go with Ragman. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so that was a new a new acquisition, and I'm very excited about it. It's a really nice copy, and it goes along really beautifully next to the other ones I have. Good. I'm glad for you. Uh, yeah. So uh, that was my kill of the week. <laughs> well, we're like straight up surviving. Are we? Yeah. Okay. What did you What did you hunt down this week? Um, I gathered. I was out. Um, you know, with this quarantine, we're allowed to take walks mm -hmm. and I've been taking very long walks. Yeah. Well, we live right next to the desert. So it's like our playground. Yeah. So I go out and I walk, uh, our dogs or sometimes you and the girls join me, but walk, I, I seriously walking like five miles a day. And yesterday I found a, a nest, a bird's nest. And I was afraid that it was, like, crawling with lice or something. I don't know. Uh -huh. Do birds have lice? Yeah. Something. Uh, so I, I used a poop bag to gather it. Oh, is that what that was? I yeah. saw you come in with a poop bag yeah. and set it on the counter. I'm like, what are you doing? So I tied it off, uh, and hopefully whatever's living in the nest will die in the next couple of weeks. And then I have a bird's nest to oh. put somewhere. Well, I'm glad you could take something out of nature and make it your own. Well, the birds can't use it because it was, like, blowing through the desert when I found it. Ah, okay. Well, you're supposed to freeze out things that are living in it, just so you know. Oh, good call. Well, that's what I do for a living, so. <laughs> you, you freeze <laughs> work, things out? No, I work with uh, artifacts and collections, ah. and that's how you get rid of bug infestation. Really? Yeah. Wow. Put it in a big freezer. 
I'm going to go put it next to our, our goods that are piled up, stockpiled in our freezer. Yeah, I like that since we can't thrift store now, you just go and gather bones and nests and stuff from the <laughs> desert. That's uh, really clever, really resourceful. Yeah, this yeah. one's cool because it has, um, like, human stuff in it, too, that the birds had gathered from, you know, here and there. Oh, okay. Well, so it's like their second hand and now my second hand. <laughs> there you go, everybody. Thanks for uh, sticking with us as we hey, figure this all guess out together. What? We are in the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. We're doing what we're we can. We're doing our best to bring you <laughs> thrift store finds of the week. And this is the best <laughs> we can do, damn it. All right. Well, this week we are talking, like I said, a Total Wagos film called. America 3000. Yes. This is written and directed by David Engelbach. This was his only film, which I'm... Really? I was kind of surprised by that, too. It's not a bad film at all. Not at all? It's kind of bizarre to place. We'll discuss this as it goes on. But we are traveling back once again, two weeks in a row, to 1986. Okay. Um, That's when this was made. This was made, surprisingly, on a $2 million budget. Uh, That's pretty high for a... 86? Low-budget, yeah. post-apocalyptic film. But it shows, because they really do put some money in some cool places for this one. I, I thought it, it looked really awesome. They do have a gold suit, so... That's true. There's one million right there. But yeah, this was the only thing he directed, which really did surprise me. Uh, the original title, instead of America 3000, you want to know what it was going to be yeah. called? <laughs> Thunder Woman. Oh. Yeah. Oh, because they call the bombs Thunder Thunder Rocks. Yeah, but I think America 3000 is cooler. Actually, Thunder Rocks would be a cool movie title. Yeah, it would. Okay. All right. Uh, Score is by Tony Berg, who was the guitarist for Air Supply. (laughs) And that (laughs) makes a lot of sense. Oh, this score was something. And I feel like they probably thought, like... Whoa, we got the air supply, dude. 1.5 million of that $2 million budget (laughs) went to to this. And it's it's throughout the entire film. It is unrelenting. It's a rocking good time. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we don't really have a lot to say about this one. This is a very obscure one. No, because as we were watching, I said, this was, where was this filmed? Because it takes place in Denver in the future. Right. And I was like, obviously it's not filmed in Denver, so where? And I was like, is it Italy? Is it Nevada? And yeah, you, you were like, nope, nah. Not the Philippines either. We're going to a totally different place for a post-apocalyptic film in the eighties. Where Israel? Re- oh, I mean, yeah, it makes sense, but yeah, huh? I knew it right away from the some of the producer credits and stuff. I was like, wait, something's different about this. Like where oh, they're yeah. getting their money from. So yeah, you yeah. super like read the information at the beginning of the movie, and I just <laughs> I look for the weirdest names. Yeah, not a lot of backstory on this one. Um, do you know anything about the actors and actresses? A little bit, but there's a lot of them didn't go on to do much of anything. I do know though that. It's really a VHS copy. That's what we have it on is VHS. We've got the big box uh, and MGM box, and it's really cool. But the I know it had one DVD release, but it wasn't even an official DVD. It was on a like a 
four part oh those you know one of those buy, packs yeah. that you can get yeah and it had like a couple different ones on there i think arena was on there which is actually a cool film too but uh it was on that and i i think i haven't really looked into it much more i think that's the only other release it's ever had beyond the vhs so mm-hmm. this one's a little bit more out there uh but i'm sure you can find a copy if you look hard enough i don't know if it's on amazon or or youtube i bet it's on youtube it's got to be. Yeah. Somebody was like, this is too good not <laughs> to share. This is way too good not to share. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. So we rock out at the beginning and then let's jump into it. Okay. Uh, America 3000. Yeah. So we learned that it's 900 years after the great nuke. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's a nuclear bomb. Destroyed mm-hmm. the world. And the new world was, they describe it right off. We we're introduced to the fact that they're going to give us some new lingo. The new world was Wagos or yeah. crazy. Crazy. There's That's a what lot of Wagos means. Not quite Star Trek level, but it's definitely, maybe it's more Lord of the Rings. No, because they've taken, I mean, not Wagos, but a lot of stuff. Like instead of saying no or nope, they say neggy, like negative. So they have all this lingo that's sort of like remnants of the past. Yeah, it's like texture lingo. Yeah, I dig it. I like yeah. it. I enjoy it. And we have been speaking in Wagos Negi language since then. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's impossible not to after watching this movie. You guys should watch it and you should try it and your life will be better for it. You are in quarantine, almost certainly. You got nothing better to do. So we're 900 years in the future. And we see it's like a caravan of roped, like, they look like slave cavemen. So it's a little confusing to see cavemen in the future. They're being led by people who we learned shortly are women on horseback. Yes. So this is where we kind of get our first taste of the social hierarchy that has evolved in 900 years in the future. Right. So we have women who are in charge. I think I'm just going to lay it all out right here. Yeah, sure. Why not? So there are women who are in charge. It's like a tribe of women or several loosely linked tribes. The leader of each tribe is called the Tierra. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, too? There's a um, narration that goes on the whole time by one of the lead guys. Yeah, Gruss. And I was a little afraid because there is humor to this. Yes. It's a comedy. It's a it's a it's like a post-apocalyptic comedy. Yeah. But I was afraid it was going to be a little too much trying to be too funny. Like too slapstick? I thought it was going to be like Blazing Saddles or something. And I was immediately apprehensive to keep watching. Mm-hmm. But it found its groove pretty quick. I think the, the uh, commentary throughout is a little weird. But, but you necessary. get used to it. Yeah, but you get used to it, too. And it kind of brings you back so that you know what's going on. Because I think what this does that a lot of the post-apocalyptic things do or don't do is it tells you what's going on. Yeah. Because a lot of times in these types of movies, you're left floundering to be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what's happening? So we have narration throughout where we learn what everything is. And the, the narrator... Gruss, it tells us, he tells us the leader is the Tierra and that there are, um, that these captured men are sort of separated. Yeah, into two groups. (laughs) Into, um, machos. Uh The machos are the macho men. They're just going to do the slave labor, do all of the hard work. And then there are the cedars. Yeah, guess what they do? They farm. 
<laughs> just kidding the cedars are used to impregnate women um like the females and i guess they also kill all male babies yeah so they're only looking to be impregnated with the gals yes by the men obviously so cedars and machos we also later learn that there's a subgroup of like castrati who are called toys and they're basically just the companions they've yeah. been castrated and their tongues are removed you know i'm gonna say too because it doesn't matter we don't have to hold on till later is one thing that i do really appreciate about this when you get 80s humor and it's kind of like a battle of the sexes style uh-huh. i was afraid this was going to be a little bit like hell comes to Frogtown. yes and like a sex comedy which i'm not a big fan of nah. i know some people are and I, that was my other big concern was like, oh, this yeah. was just going to be like a raunchy sex comedy from the 80s. It's never funny. No. And it it wasn't. It never was. And I, I mean, there is like a romantic undertone. I don't even think you see boobs, do you? I don't remember. I don't think so. But I just was kind of shocked because this had all the makings of a classic 80s yeah. sex comedy and it didn't. I was so, going to... like, I really I, it earned points for that reason because they're actually trying to tell a story. Yes, I actually read the back of this and I thought it sounded like Hell Comes to Frogtown and I was going to pass on it and I flipped it over and right in the center is a character who looks like a... Like Chewbacca kind like of. Like a Yeti. Yeah. Holding a boombox. And I was like, oh, we got to <laughs> yeah. watch it. Yeah, totally got to watch it for that. And thankfully it paid off yeah. big time. So we have these roped slave cavemen. They're being led. The Tierra or the ruler is, she's the leader of the, I think that the women were called Frawls. Okay. Because I was watching them talk and the expert that I am, I could see an L at the end. So I think it was Frawl. But at first oh, I thought it was Frau. Okay. <laughs> so the Frawls are this particular group. And they're leading their slaves. Two men are brought in with a group of cavemen. And they're the two most attractive. Everyone else looks like cavemen. And they're two, like, young boy men. Yeah. And they have, like, they're just more attractive than the rest. And those two escape on horseback together like they take their chance they escape to denver that's when we find out that that's where this takes place yes so they take off on a stolen horse and they run and they realize that the only way to escape is going through the radiation zone so they go into the radiation zone which is the denver brighton area yeah and it's a wasteland that's just a total desert and it's yeah. really cool because they have this one prop set that they keep using uh, yeah. that are skull trees. Yeah. I and mean, that's exactly what they are, if you're wondering. It's just trees that they put skulls on the end of every branch. It's like a warning, though, that, like, that <laughs> shall not pass. It's really cool looking. I was a fan of the skull trees. So this is where we learn that the two guys who escaped are uh, Corvus and Gruss. Yeah, they're... So Gruss was in Avenging Force, another oh. previous episode. Okay. Yeah. We're... What was he? He's just a random dude. Just buff guy? Yeah. But okay. I, I thought I'd throw that out there for you. So it starts out, Corvus and Gruff are, Gruss are young men. They come through uh, the barrier, I guess, where they're safe past the skull trees. And they start scavenging because they have to survive. They find a suitcase, <laughs> which has survived... 900 years and is laying on top of the sand. Yeah. And inside the suitcase, they find this, uh, like, three-year-old's alphabet book. Perfectly preserved after, again, 900 years. And what I do like is that this one alphabet book that's like, M is for man. Mm -hmm. They are able to, like, 
completely learn how to read the entire English language based on this, like, 20-page book. Yeah, it's just the alphabet book. <laughs> a is for apple, so, B is for boy. So amazing. Yeah, and, and Corvus, he's looking through it, and he's like, I am man. I am a man. And so he's invigorated by literacy and manliness, I guess. Yeah. And also Gruss, who is our, I'll remind you, our narrator, and he's so funny. Um, no, he's not. He thinks he is. Yeah, okay. So he finds in the suitcase, it definitely in no way could fit in this suitcase, but he somehow manages to pull a top hat out of it. Oh, I do like that he wears a top hat a perf- through the whole film. Yeah, he looks like he should cool. grab a like guitar. And yeah, but he's got whale. shredded like pirate shorts on the whole time, yeah. too. They start rebuilding. These men are going to like build up their forces because they want to free themselves from slavery, the bonds of slavery. So they start recruiting other men uh, from the wasteland, I guess. Okay. And they they re-inhabit, which is, they call Camp Reagan. Oh, yeah. And they begin <laughs> to teach the men to read. So all these men gather together. They're becoming literate, building up their forces. You know, uh, what's his name? Corvus is like the lead zombie on Land of the Dead, who is smarter than all the other zombies and yeah. leads them. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, how come this one was smarter than all the rest? Skyflower. Yeah. No. Yeah, I wish that was 80s and we could cover it. Okay, so then the women, the frals, are on horseback. They're doing like a supply run, but they have full 80s makeup. And if you think I'm joking, it's it looks like they're going to a concert. Like, yeah. a like, I don't know. What's a good 80s band? Uh, like Dropper. Winger or something. <laughs> it's definitely like hair, like full hair metal. Yes. At one point I White said... Snake. I said her hair, the lead girl that we're about to introduce you to, her hair goes from one shoulder to the next. And then we realized her hair was actually wider than her shoulders. Yeah. It's a mane. It's like a Samantha Fox mane. It's, it's huge. so big. Yeah. So big. So... It's like the cover of... Um, What's that album, Headhunter by Blondie, where she's got that gigantic hair? Is that the album? I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Reminds me of that. I bet you it is Headhunter. Okay. So the women are on horseback, full makeup, and they're ambushed by just basically uh, cavemen. These aren't the educated men. But these guys are, like, desperately hungry, so they're fighting. They just have a little ambush. But in this scuffle, the leader, the tiara, um, she is stabbed. By the cavemen. So back at the camp, we learn that these women, that uh, they go through a rigorous training because they are like some badass fighters. They're doing like jump and sideways f- flying kicks oh, through the air. Oh, they do really have some cool moves for sure. Yeah, and we learn that in their training, the final thing is they have to fight Arg the Awful. <laughs> yeah, this is... There's a couple characters in here I really love, but he's of a course, special boy. he's really cool. So yeah. they keep him in a weird pit surrounded by wicker that I think he could probably just kick through if he really wanted. So Arg the Awful is like a seven foot tall Chewbacca style mutant. Yep. For no reason. He's the only mutant among the no entire other mutant. film. And honestly, 
throughout after this one scene where he fights one of the frolls, he's pretty good natured. He is pretty good natured. He just wants to have fun. He yeah. just wants to party. He's ready to party. <laughs> yeah. So he's the final test to become a frawl. And then we learn that there's like a power struggle. So they bring back the tiara who has been stabbed and they revive her with some weird mystical potion for a moment to she like names her successor. And she throws a little wrench in the plan. There was one, her daughter, I guess, Lakella, was supposed to be the next tiara. But instead, she names her other daughter, the younger daughter, Vina, mm-hmm. as the next tiara. Lakella <laughs> is obviously not pleased. Wait, they're sisters? I think so, yeah. Oh, I thought they were just friends. No, I think they're sisters. Oh, okay. I don't know. Who cares? And so... Vina is the new leader, and the last, like, dying words of the old tiara is, follow the map. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, she's got some skin map that she's going to hold on to. Yeah. I like Lakella a lot. She's probably my favorite character in the whole movie. Well, she's, like, the sexiest, for sure. She's the sexiest, but more than that, she's, like, a badass. She's, like, a full-on warrior. She's got these throwing knives and all this cool stuff. She's opportunistic. She is, but she's also just like, she gets the game. This is survival of the fittest, and she's a warrior. No, no, because she's like that <laughs> dog that's like, oh, this is my turn to to jump at it. She's not a natural leader. She'll just go for it because she's sensing weakness. Oh, okay. Well, you gotta step in when you can. Oh, okay. <laughs> Born leaders don't You know what? I, I don't know if you noticed, but... When uh, the the new tiara is being crowned, yeah, <laughs> um, everybody's like sweating their ass off in this film. Yeah, one of the only fun facts I did find is, uh-huh. and I think the lead was going to quit because of it. It got up to over a hundred and thirty degrees. <gasps> what? Yeah, because they're out in the middle of Israel. That cooks you. And I, all I could think about was Arg, the the big mutant guy oh in that my gigantic hair costume. How did he not actually die? I don't know. I thought that the whole film. I kept thinking, like, how did this guy not just roll over and die? Ugh. Yeah. So we go back to the smart Denver boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and they're gathering, like, weapons and supplies. They After the, they, like, find where the fight was. And they just go through and scavenge what they can. And then back to the women tribe. There is another tribe of women who come. And this is important because we learn that it's like not just this one group of women that are in charge. That the whole world is essentially run by tribes of feral women. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So they've come, and then we kind of, there's some weird old lady who gives the history, which is hilarious. Oh, Should we do a... Yeah, there's way too much to pack in yeah. there. If you guys don't mind hearing a pretty extended uh, audio sample, the payoff is worth it. I feel like this lady was seriously just making it up as yeah. she was going, because it's, it is what it is. Here you it's go. It's great. Once the world was green and living... Then was the great nuke. Death lived everywhere. All were born sick and unclean. A living curse from the Americans and commies. Then one day, a baby was born. Clean and clear. And the living curse was over. The child grew strong and beautiful. And she was called... Woman taught her children to follow the tiara and obey the regs 
and the earth lived again. But some disobeyed the regs. And from them came the children of darkness and disease. <laughs> Blue gods to be hunted and nuked till Negia left. Okay, so that is the backstory <laughs> as told by that kooky lady. And she, while she's telling that tale, they burn the old Tierra's body, and now it's Venus' turn. And they party down with the 80s. The air supply is in full force this whole film, but wow. We are fully supplied yeah. with air. <laughs> There's a lot of air being supplied. Yeah. We should also say that, strangely, they... they kind of have brought the F-bomb into the future, but they just say effing and F it a whole bunch. Oh, yeah. It is weird. Yeah, why? Why wouldn't they come up with a cool term for that? I don't know. Although, at least it isn't like, what's that stupid uh, term they used in, was it Battlestar Galactica? It was one of those. Oh, what was it? Fracking. Uh, oh. You're gonna infuriate I'm sure people. I will. And you know what, nerds? I don't care because that drove me. <laughs> just say it. Don't say fracking. Uh, I can't even think about it right now. I'm having like you, flashbacks. Your I, legs are like I'm shaking. I'm twitching with right anger. now with fury. <laughs> that term fracking drove me bonkers. It drove okay. you fracking nuts. <laughs> to- totally. It was uh, it was wagos. <laughs> okay, so then the leader of the visiting tribe, we can see that she's also scheming with Lakella. Basically they just wanna all take over and nobody likes Vina as the new Tierra. So, meanwhile, Vina goes and finds the map and um, decides she's going to go ahead and go anyway. And the men are, they, like, wait till the next morning after all this happens. So the ladies party all night. Oh, there is one cool, cool scene in the party that you you didn't mention. It was my favorite. Okay. Was Lakella is practicing her knife tosses. Oh, yeah. But we only see her throwing knives at what we're assuming is, like, a uh, stump. Yeah. Only it cuts over, and there's just a random dude tied up Aww. with a knife through his throat. And she's like, ah. And then they just take him down and grab another another guy and tie him up. Yeah. She's <laughs> she's ruthless. Look <laughs> hella rules. So the men have been gathering their forces. They're ready to attack. They want to... Their goal is not necessarily to fight all of these frowls, but to free the slaves. And steal their food. Yeah. Also that. So they wait until morning, which is a strange time to attack unless you happen to know that all these people were going to be getting, like, hammered. But we also know that these men do not know what booze is. No, but they discover it. Yes, they do. Yeah. So they come. They It's, like, late morning. It looks like the sun's high in the sky when they break in. But they break in, and all the women are still asleep. They steal weapons. They at, they try to free all of the slaves. And at first, all these machos, because they're like cavemen, they're like, oh, no. Yeah. And they're scared. <laughs> but they somehow convince them through grunting and gesturing to follow them and that they'll be free. So they free all of the macho slaves. And um, Gruss is the one who discovers the booze. He, like, finds a pot, takes a sip, and he's like, nope. But then he keeps drinking it and takes it with him. And they're all stealing the bread, too. But one of them, is it Corvus that um, is like, we're not leaving a single man behind. And he accidentally frees Arg. I think it was intentional. Was it? Well, because he comes out and they're all like, what? Because he comes out of the cage. Yeah, I think they're surprised. I don't think they knew that there was a mutant, like an eight foot mutant in there. But he comes out and he's going to join their, their group, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. 
And then the women wake up and Gruss narrates that they are cold pissed. Whatever oh, that, that what means. Yeah. I don't I think it means I kind of know exactly mad. what that means. Yeah. yeah. So cold the women are cold pissed and ready to throw down. All the men rush off. This is also when we learn that they use the word plastic. Ah, uh, yeah. We still, by the end of the film, couldn't figure out what the term plastic was. They used it both positively and negatively. Because like, I thought it was like station, but it wasn't like station. Because no. it was sometimes like, oh, plastic. Yeah. And then other times they're like, cool, plastic. Yeah. So whatever. So, whatever it is. it's uh, This is also this whole horse chase where they're coming after the guys that escaped. Their air supply is in full effect. Yes. Also, I think this is the same time where we learn that the that the frawls refer to the men as plugots. Yes. No, no idea why. <laughs> because it sounds cool. So they're called plugots, and this is, uh, I think it's Vina says plugots got neggy smarts for tricking nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. So yeah. this is what you can wrap your mind around as you imagine this. Wait, I think you should re-say that and I'm going to insert the soundtrack as you say it so you can really get a sense of what America 3000 is like. Okay, on your marks, get set, go. Plugots got neggy smarts for tricking nobody. Okay, good job. Thanks. So Corvus rides off. Um, The women are about to catch up to all these these men because a bunch of them are on foot. Corvus grabs his horse and he takes uh, Gruss's horse as well because it'll kick up more dirt. And they they weirdly tie the only leafy tree branch in the entire land to the back of a horse to also kick up more dirt as he runs off like he's making a cloud of dust to lure the ladies away. The women spot Corvus on like the top of a hill and Lakella shoots Corvus and he falls straight down a hole in... (laughs) Well, this is important because uh, Vina, is that her name? Yeah. Vina was supposed to take the shot and hesitates. Yes. And Lakella's like, uh, well, I'll do it. Again, she's stepping up to the plate. She does it, and she's the one that shoots him. So I think that's important because it's uh, saying something about their dynamic and her character. Okay. But, but he she's falls. unrelenting and ruthless. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, I, mean, I would side with this chick. She she's would keep the me worst. She sucks. <laughs> no, we would rule the land. Hand in hand with an iron fist shooting you, everybody. You would choose Lakella over Vina? Vina's hair is off putting, I will say that. No, Vina's eyebrows are off putting. Yeah, I would They've definitely choose eye- Lakella over Vina in a second. Vina's eyebrows, we need to pause for a moment. Okay. So they're tucked behind some enormous bangs, but every so often you get a glimpse, and they are. You know Hatchet Face from Crybaby? Oh, it totally... Yes. Okay, So put that in your brain. Save it there. Well, in case you guys were wondering, um, and you've been holding your breath through this entire tangent, Uh Corvus did not die, even though he fell very far. You want to say what saved him? I sure do. Literacy. (laughs) The ABC (laughs) book was tucked in his weird clothes, and (laughs) the, the arrow pierced the ABC book. But not his body. So the ABC book like saved his life more than once. Yep. It gave him the power to read. Yep. And the power to survive. The power to survive. So he looks around uh, where he's fallen 
And he finds a door, and it's got like a, you know, twisty handle, and Mm -hmm. he uses his pure masculine muscle to open it. I, um... I love this part of the film. Oh, it's a lot. so it's great. probably my favorite part. I, I don't think it, I would like this movie as much if it didn't take this turn. Yeah, this was a very smart decision at the yeah. right time. The pacing on this whole film, I thought, was really well done, too. Yeah. I was never bored by it at Not all. Not once. Like, and it I just am, kept moving. I am normally, especially with these kind of movies, very challenged to yeah, stay awake. You are easily bored. <laughs> Uh, this is the cool part. So it says, like, there's a quick note. You see it as as he's entering that this is a solar-powered facility. So we understand that there's still power coming in. Oh, yeah, because there's a skeleton, too, that's sitting there. Okay, so he opens <laughs> it up. He comes into a solar-powered nuclear bunker. There is a skeleton at the control panels. 900 years later, this is a bloody <laughs> wet skeleton. Yeah, but it was, like, airtight. No. There is no... No reality in which that would happen. All right. Well, I agree to disagree, but he does spot on the door the presidential seal of the United States. This is important. (laughs) The Prezi is important because there's all this lore built up around the president who they call the Prezi. Prezi or President. Oh, yeah. They really overemphasize President. Because apparently they forget how words work in the future. Well, it's been 900 years. What else? Can you read Shakespeare like nobody's business? Yep. Neggy. <laughs> You're Lagos. <laughs> so he enters and there are weapons. He finds like a, a full, fully stocked nuclear bunker, bunch of weapons, and they have little tags with the instructions. And it's like a picture instructions. Oh, but so, he's totally able to read the very um, complex words that are on the tags because of his Apple... ABC book. ABC book, yes. The only book he has. And the weapon is, I guess it was supposed to be sort of in the future that all this had happened. It's 900 years in the future. Yeah, so... It's America 3000. Yes. So, obviously, it didn't take place in the 80s. They had somewhere in that time span developed laser guns. Boy, did they. And this made me so happy. And he uses (laughs) the laser, opens the door to the president's bunker, and it's basically a bed... And an exercise bike. Oh, and an arcade. There's yes. pinball machines. There's arcade games. Which I I feel like I know a president who would be satisfied with, <laughs> with most an arcade. Of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's found this president's bunker. Did I mention already that there's like a gold lame suit? It's like a space no. suit. Yeah, no. He did find that. Well, it's not a space suit. It's more like a flame retardant suit, like I you guess, would wear to yeah. if you had a flamethrower. It's got sort of a spacey visor, yeah, but it's different. It's like pieces. a hazmat suit, kinda. Yeah. So somewhere in all of that is the reality of what he has found. Then we go back to Tierra Vina. Uh, she orders the others back to their, like, homestead. And she goes in search of the, like, cave on the map. I thought it was going to lead her to where Corvus is. But it actually leads her to, like, a stash of dynamite that they call Thunder Rocks. Yeah. You know what's kind of crazy that occurred to me? And I know this is a funny film and it's... Well, it's like a lighthearted... Well, at times it's lighthearted, at other times it's not. But uh, we'll we'll talk about that later. But it, it occurred to me that one of my interests is watching period films about post-apocalyptic scenarios. Uh-huh. 
shot during the Cold War when it yeah. was a real threat. Yes. And the fact that they're making this supposed film that takes place, you know, 900 years in the future, because it did happen. The whole premise was that Russia, because there was a whole subplot that we we glossed over, but he gets this uh, message that's, you know, 900 years ago from a general to the president saying that, you know, Russia has launched these weapons and everybody has nuked the world and it's the end of everything. And I just kept thinking about this during this movie is yeah, me too. the ability to find humor, even if you don't think this is like a really funny movie, the fact that you could try and write, it, it reminds me of Spies Like Us, which is a film I really, really yeah. love, that you wrote and directed a film while this is actually happening Yeah, is an interesting thing. And I, well, I just, I, I that never goes out of my mind as I'm watching these films. I think also, though, a lot of humor is based in, like, fear or things that make us uncomfortable. So it makes good sense that that's where they would go mining for something like this kind of content. Yeah. But, yes, absolutely, you have to think about that while you watch this movie and and see that the, they, they were imagining this is their future with, <laughs> yeah. with machos and frawls. Yeah, well, so, yeah. While Vina is following the map, Lakella is spying on her. And she's sitting in, this is where the $2 million budget, I thought, was in full effect. That background with the, like, blasted out building in the back and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's pretty it cool. It looks really good. It doesn't look cheesy at all. No, it, like, it it's It looks decent. really cool. And then we go back to Corvus. He's putting on the gold suit. He also <laughs> finds a boombox. And let me take a little note here. I like what you get caught on. <laughs> you were you really know. worked up about I, I know exactly so what you're about to bring up. Okay, so if if any of you happen to exist in the 80s, you know if you bought the 95 batteries it required to D power. batteries, by yeah. the way. So you spend $1,000 on batteries. You Put your tape in your boombox. You've got a solid eight minutes before you have to replace those batteries. Yeah. This movie, he ha- there is not a battery. No. This is not solar powered. It's 900 years later. <sighs> and the boombox works magically. It does. Did and you I'm have a boombox as it. a kid? Heck yeah. Do you know what else? What? <laughs> Tell me your boombox story. <laughs> I've only got one. Yeah. So it was Valentine's Day in, I think, fifth grade. And I was invited to a dance party at this guy, Eric, not you, different guy, Eric's house. Oh, yeah. B-squad, Eric. Sure. Like F-squad, Eric, whatever. (laughs) And it was a bunch of other kids and I, like six of us, we were going to have like a slow dance party on Valentine's Day. Oh, this sounds very middle school to me. It was fifth grade. Oh, okay. After school, we put a boombox. Somebody had it at school. It wasn't me. I didn't get to touch it. And they put on the Brian Adams... What is it? Everything I do, I do it for you. Uh, yep, that one. It's the one from the Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Soundtrack. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So that it was like the single somebody had, and we just listened to it, flipped it, listened to it again. Oh, didn't have like the instrumental version on one side. Probably. I don't have. A <laughs> I always love those it. cassette singles that had the instrumental version on the other side. So we walked. Somebody carried it on their shoulders in our little group from Hillcrest Elementary School. To the house. Oh, yeah. And then we went there, and the, that guy's brothers just made fun of us, and then we went home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> boomboxes in the 80s. It was cool. Do you have a boombox story? Oh, yeah. I Tell def- it to me. Definitely had a boombox in the 80s, and I would walk to my friend's house, who lived about half a mile away. Mm-hmm. 
keep in mind we lived in a town that had maybe what would you say like a thousand people max in this little sub yeah it was like outside of a bigger community yeah it was out in the middle of the desert Mm -hmm. and i would walk over to his house this was probably i don't know i was maybe seven or eight nine maybe Mm -hmm. and i would grab my boom box with those big d batteries yeah. And I would stuff in my pocket, like, my Wasp or my Iron Maiden, uh, a lot of Ozzy Osbourne tapes. I would shove them in my pockets, and then I would walk with it on my shoulder, because that's how Aww. I saw them do it in the movies. So, like, run DMC style, like, I'm about to, like, throw down a piece of cardboard and, and break dance On the gravel in the desert. Cute. Yeah, on the mesquite and, yeah, cactus, but... I would put the boombox on my shoulder and I would put on, you know, my wasp tape or whatever. And I would hit play and blast it as I walked down the street in the middle of nowhere to my friend's house. And oh, I thought I was so cute. So cool. That's so cute. I would have been totally intimidated. <laughs> my little ripped jeans and my little Iron Maiden shirt. Yeah, it was cool. Oh, that's yeah, it was good adorable. times. Great times, actually. So in that same vein, Corvus puts on a golden suit grabs his boon box and heads out. And then we have an old man who you described as like a Roman. He does look like he's like Roman. Yeah. He's got this like toga on. Whatever. He's looking for the missing toy guy. Yeah. The, the castrati with no tongue. Who knows this why? This guy really plays no role, honestly. Yeah, but, I mean, he's a warning. But he comes and gives Corvus the idea that he's the prezi... And he's oh, like, oh, yeah, Prezi, so. yeah. oh, Prezi, I worship you, Prezi. <laughs> yeah, okay. So then Corvus is like, oh, I'm going to lean in hard on this Prezi business. He looks awesome. He's riding on a white horse. And instead of a saddle, he's riding on an American flag. He's oh, got, yeah. He's got That's the cool. gold, um, like, hazmat suit on with mm-hmm. a helmet. And he's got the boom box. Yes. Like, this is this is what sold the film for me, honestly. Like, I'm about everything in this scene. That that American flag that survived 900 years, whatever. Yeah. Actually, all clothing. Clearly, these people have not discovered, like, farming. Uh, they aren't producing cotton to make their own new materials. No, we take a walk in the desert all the time. And I see, like... A shirt that was from two years ago, and it's in tattered. It won't be there in five hundred or 900 years. So what's the story with these people? Maybe because it got nuked, <gasps> there was like a change in the atmosphere. Yeah, I like Preserved it. cotton. <laughs> yeah, I'm smelling what you're stepping in. I like All right, it. I took a deep step in that one. Okay. So Corvus like brings the gospel and he's like, no more toys, no more machos. And the old Roman guy's like, great. Hops on his mule and heads back to spread the word, I guess. Okay, so then Vina comes back, and she's got her Thunder Rocks to use against the Plugots. Mm -hmm. You you following me or Negi? Oh, no, I'm following you. It's plastic. (laughs) Back in Denver... They're educating these new machos that they just rescued. They're oh, like this scene is teaching great. them literacy <laughs> in they, the moment. Is this where they open up the arsenal and that he brought back from the bunker? Yeah, Corvus rides up and he's like, I got some stuff. He's, he's blasting got laser the boombox. He's got laser guns. He's got grenades. Yep. And they're all tossing it around like a rock. Uh-huh. Nobody understands that it's a grenade. 
Yep. And I love this scene because at some point you just hear this huge explosion and then they go out there and there's just like a boot smoking. Yeah, it's a sneaker. Yes. And this is how they realize, oh, it's a grenade. Yes. It's and pretty funny. Arg also discovers spray deodorant and like sprays his butt. Oh, yeah, he's very happy about that. Yes, and he's like, oh, and so happy. It's great. Yeah. I feel good for him. We cut back to uh, the seating ritual. This is where we go. I thought, okay, here we go. We've gotten this far without it turning into like a sex comedy. Total, like a cliche 80s sex comedy. Here we go because it's going to be a seating ritual where they tie up one of the babes and they bring in the seater. Actually, you know what this reminded me of is... You hear about those weird, like, olden times, like, puritanical mating situations where there's, like, a sheet with a hole. That's essentially (laughs) what this was. Yeah, but it doesn't go that route. I'm surprised. No nudity here. It's, like, a very... I mean, it's a sex scene, but it's very brief. And non-sexual. Yeah, I was just surprised. I was like, this is low-hanging fruit. (laughs) <laughs> and they didn't go for it. No, and this is this is Vina's best friend Linga who is being seated. Oh yeah. And it's at this point that the men come in. They break into the seating ritual to steal Linga because they want to use her to like bait the Tiara Vina. And we see more laser gun blasts here yeah. too. And las- the laser gun blasts are awesome. They're so good. <laughs> and when they are they come in to free the cedar and and to steal Linga, Linga looks at the cedar and she's like, "Oh, hello! Yeah, that's who was doing that." Yeah. It's so the, the first sign in the whole movie we get that maybe, perhaps, men and women could be into each other versus just yeah. being like a means to an end. It's just a brief moment, yeah. but it it comes back. So they take them, and back at the women's camp, uh, there's a big show of Corvus coming up as president or Prezi. And he basically tells Vina, meet me at the spot to get your BFF Linga back. Oh, I like this because it's uh, he's got his hazmat suit propped up on a stake. And then he's yeah. got like an amplifier for his voice where he's like, oh, I'm the president. It's like the Wizard of Oz. It reminded me more of uh, Andre the Giant and the Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. When he puts on the giant cloak. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, I, I like this scene. So, Vina meets Corvus as the president. He releases Linga. He keeps his promise. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vina stays to have a private talk with him. He takes her down to the bunker. Yeah, he's going to show off his goods now. And they have a... Yeah, they have a little fling. and Mating mean, ritual. Meanwhile, well, and it's funny because they've never kissed. Nobody has ever kissed, apparently, in the future. Nope. And so there's this whole scene of them trying to figure out how to kiss. It's pretty. It's kind of funny. Actually, yeah. Yeah. I mean, really? Who decided we do that? I don't know. I thought that, too. I was like, oh, you know what? This is kind of weird that we do that. We just, like, jam our mouths together. Like, what's what's the <laughs> second germiest place on our body? Let's push those Let's together. Let's do that. Oh, you know what you should do in addition to it? Yeah. Stick your tongue out. But I think that uh, Lakella, meanwhile, our girl is hyped up on killing. She's boozing and she's planning. She is awesome. And she's got these huge shoulder pads that have built in knives uh-huh. where she can pull the knives out of her shoulder pads and throw them. You're so impressed by Lakella. She's just cool as shit. She reminds me the one redeeming character from Hell Comes to Frogtown, which, by the way, if you're a huge fan of that, I can't help you. Um, you can listen to our episode. 
But my favorite character is that I chick know. with the, you know, the like muscle chick with the machine gun and uh-huh. how comes to Frogtown, that cool one. Yeah. She reminds me of her. She's just like gung ho to fight and survive. I don't she, know. I mean, I'm I, a fan of that. Now that we're in the apocalypse, I could kind of channel that like, because I got to protect my girls. Yeah. Our girls. Also, I would just develop a really awesome post-apocalyptic outfit. Oh, yeah. I would spend a lot of time. I'm not like a uh, an, uh, fashion guy. But You're if not? it was like, it's the post-apocalyptic environment, the first thing I would do is like, I know what I'm doing. I'd be finding my studs, uh-huh. my chains, my leather, like, uh, you know, bracelets. Mm-hmm. I would have it down to an art form. Well, you already have done this. We sometimes have <laughs> dress up night. We... We have done post-apocalyptic dress-up night, and you got in deep. It's the best era, or it's the best genre for fashion, I will say. Good for you. What did you wear? I wore, I have a dragon mask that's got a giant red mohawk, (laughs) and I wore a dragon mask. Uh Uh-huh. And then I had my studded belts Uh draped across my chest in an X like they were uh, bullets. (laughs) And then I did two stripes of red under my eyes like I was adamant. Um, Uh Uh-huh. Well, I'll just stop there. It was very elaborate. It was good. We dressed our children up. (laughs) It was great. It was so good. Good times. We should do that again. Family fun. We should do that again. Okay, so... We should do it now. It's now more than ever we should be dressing... What would happen if when I went to go grocery shopping in this quarantine era, if I just showed up Mad Max style? But like, with a face mask. No, I'm saying like shoulder pads, spiked shoulder pads, a helmet, yeah. everything like pulled up, got have, out to grab my like grocery cart and looked like I was out of Mad Max. Have like a little secret pouch with your hand sanitizer. What do you think people would do? I feel like they would accept it. I wish I was buffer so I could pull that off. I'm buff. I'm going to do it. Yeah, you could do it. So I feel like we should do it and wander through the desert and do a full family photo shoot and use that as our Christmas card. Okay, let's do it. Okay, done. So then we go to uh, <laughs> President or Corvus taking Vita to the bunker. Mm-hmm. He reveals himself, but he also like tells her the plan, like what's been happening. So they've made this meeting of a minds. He's the leader of one group. She's the leader of the other. Yeah, they're going to have a truce. While Vina is away, Lakella pounces. She of is ready. She does. She's Lakella. Well, she's being an idiot. No. She's creating trouble. She is being a full-blown rabble-rouser. She's just not waiting around for BS. She could have solved this problem and gotten to meeting the fellows. Right. I feel like she's going to hook up with Arg. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> she would be a good... Yeah, that would work. So the <laughs> ladies come. They come to Denver to... Uh, what is it? Camp Reagan to yeah. fight these n- newly literate men. Oh, and air supply and full supply. Yes. Arg puts on a helmet uh-huh. and blasts his boombox. Yeah. And then it's a very long scene of fighting between okay. men and women. And the m- women are... They are full tilt. Yeah, they're. This is good. insane. This is the part of the film where I was like, "Did they forget what kind of movie they were making?" Because this is full on battle, like yeah. death and destruction. 
And not like the women are not doing simple fighting where they're, you know, like in she or sorceress or something like that, where they're doing like, let's swing a bow. and But try like and pr- slowly. Yeah. And like uh-huh. scary. These women are like full on jump kicking and like yeah. falling off horses and stabbing. And we should. It was really brutal. We should mention that they had exactly two horses trained to fall. Oh, one they- white horse <laughs> and one brown horse. And they got their time to shine. They fell so many times. Yeah, but the falls were even kind of brutal. And I, this was the only part in the whole film where I had to take a note that was, I'm confused as to kind of what the, the mood of this film is. Because up until this point, there's been a couple scenes that were like, oh, that was a little... Like skirmishes. Yeah. But this is like just, this isn't a funny battle. This is like an actual yeah. legit battle. And I was I was confused because this wasn't entertaining. This was just brutal. Yes. And then... So, One of the guys picks up the chick and breaks her back yeah. WWF style. Yes. Like full on back break. Gruss and Lakel fight. He wins. I mean, it's like a... And it's a big fight, too. Did he kill her? I think he did, because we don't see her anymore after that. I was like, what's happening? But it was unclear as it happened. This is so out of place. But I loved every moment of it. So Vina, after her experience with Corvus, she's all jazzed. They're going to make peace. She's going to go back, tell the ladies all about the good fun she had in the bunker, and be like, let's try something different with all these machos. Yeah, like... As the two leaders are getting laid, their opposing forces have just demolished each other. So, yeah. And then they each go back to discover uh, that their people have been killed off. So Corvus goes back and sees that the men are essentially defeated. Vina goes back to her place and finds that her women are defeated. Nobody's really victorious in this battle. And um, there's like a moment of confusion where... Vina thinks she's been betrayed and Corvus thinks he's been betrayed that like it was a ploy to distract each leader while yeah. while there is an attack but they get over that pretty quick and they come Corvus and his men come to Vina's camp and there's like a moment where Vina's like do you really? She has like a weird sort of like Should a, I s- sample it? Yeah, yeah. We haven't even sampled her yet. Yeah, because she's kind of like Slightly Nico-ish in her voice. Oh, I like. She's like these days yep. yeah. we've been battling. So, <laughs> okay. Well, here's what she actually sounds like. You want revenge, Corvus? Take it. I won't stop you. Okay. So after she says this, like magic fills the air apparently because all the dudes are like, "Wait a minute." Well, hold these on. Chicks are babes. If so. Vina and Corvus toss down their weapons and start making out. And, oh, yeah, yeah, right. And Gruss, Gruss says, we didn't know what Vina and Cordus, Corvus were doing. The harder we scanned, oh, we should also say, instead of using the word uh, watch or look, they say scanned. Right. So the harder we scanned, the hotter it looked. <laughs> That's Gruss's narration. And then... Linga, the best friend, eyeballs her cedar. They, she shoots her arrow into the dirt. He shoots his arrow into the dirt, and they go at each other. And then basically, it's every man and woman for themselves. Yeah. They just like are like, never mind. We're all gonna hook up. The and end. then there's this funny scene of all the weapons being thrown down yes. into a pile. And then the final, final yes. scene of the film is Arg, the mutant, 
he's jumping in the air with the boom box uh, and it freeze frames on him in the air <laughs> jumping with the boom box and it ends on an air supply song oh come on america 3000 yeah what a treat this was a first time watch for both of us yeah i have a, one of my okay People who follow me on Instagram know, like, I'm a big horror fan. Obviously, that's my main go-to. Mm-hmm. But I would say the second genre that I collect the hardest is post-apocalyptic. And America 3000 has been on my list for a long time. Mm-hmm. I never saw it growing up. But this was a fun one. And this was very different from other post-apocalyptic films because it was funny. Like, it was a light-hearted one. But yet it still got across the the central idea of survival in the wasteland like Mm -hmm. every other one yeah i don't know i liked it i thought it stood out honestly i would say out of every post-apocalyptic film we've watched this is the one i would watch again the fact that this guy never did another movie he he set out to do it he did it and (sighs) he was done i didn't read up I knew the box office, or I knew that it, it was made on $2 million. I didn't see what the box office... My it suspicion is much. that it just bombed yeah. hard, and he never got another shot. Which is tragic, considering yeah. that that's beyond his control, and I think that he did a good job. I think it's great. I do, too. It, I, compared I, to yeah. what was happening around him, this is one of the more successful ones we've seen of, yeah. of that like caliber. Yeah, because let's be honest, we've watched a lot, especially a lot of Italian ones, yeah. and they can be boring for a long part oh, of the film. Yeah. This one was fun the whole time. I was not bored at one moment. Yeah, and so, I don't know, I, I think um, uh, definitely Laser Graves approved for us. Yeah. And considering it was a blind watch, we didn't know what we were getting into, yep. very pleasantly surprised. So good. So if you are able, uh, check it out. It's got to be on YouTube, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, America 3000. Um, check it out because we had fun watching it. If you liked what you heard, you can follow us mm-hmm. on Instagram. We're at Laser Graves. You can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Please do. That really, really helps us. It's a huge help. And yeah. thanks to all of you who have been sharing on Instagram. Yes. It's huge yeah. for us. And I know that it's... Um, there's not a lot to do right now if you're stuck at home. So the fact that we can bring you any kind of like one hour of escape, uh, it's our pleasure. And along those lines, we have a little special treat for you oh, coming yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. We're going to release one bonus extra episode. Yeah. Well, we had a little extra time because um, I'm working from home. You're at home. And yeah. why not? I, we, I guess we just realized that like... If we could bring a couple more episodes, sure. So Why not? Yeah, they'll, if you're still listening, you'll be in on it. But there is a bonus. Yeah. So look forward to that. And if you want to follow uh, me on Instagram, I'm at death at 33 RPM. I'm at Mariah Rose Wimmer. That's all we got for you. So I know hopefully following it wasn't too wagos, but overall this film was pretty plastic. <laughs> okay. And I will retire that lingo forever. Neggy. Okay. Neggy. <laughs> Bye.